What is the flippin' Krizak, everybody? Um, if you've been here since the start, welcome back. If this is your first episode that you're listening to on Flip the Script, go back to the flippin' start, you big silly billy. There's flippin' 13 other episodes before this one. Would you, would you go back? Go flippin' back to the start now like everybody else. Imagine if it was like a queue. Imagine if it was, would you would you go back to the go back to the end of the flipping queue there, will you? And wait your turn, and you'll get here to you know to to the to the end. You know, that's what I'd recommend that you do. Like you know what I mean? Have you ever tried to skip the queue in in anything? You know, with your friends or whatever, and or in school or something like that, you're skipping your queue to get to somewhere faster or whatever. And your teacher goes, hey 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 you, get get back to the back now you. Actually, don't you? You wait there. You actually sit down, and you wait there till everybody else is gone, and then you're then you can go. But I'm not going to make you do that. Just go back to the start, boys, me, boys and gals, get back to the flip and start and start from the start, and you'll have a better idea about the whole podcast then. But um, yes, this is episode numero fourteeno of the Flip the Script podcast. Um, it's a very meh day today on the island right and i was even actually talking yesterday about this that even the meh kind of mm, so so days on the island are flipping marvelous like they're just gorgeous like there's um there's a wind outside right that the when the waves are actually um churning inside in the water when they're coming up and onto the beach the wind hits them and it creates this spray and this mist off of the actual waves themselves and it's just unbelievable um it's just an astounding thing to just watch you know it's it's a very very good exercise in just being somewhere being mindful of something just watching those waves and how the wind kind of dances with the waves and it's it it almost like trims the top off the waves in such a way and that's what's happening off in the distance i can see the mist that's being thrown up by the waves that are crashing off of the rocks on the opposite side of the of the the peninsula it's just uh it's just amazing it's absolutely amazing but it's very very quiet on the island this morning as well there isn't even a sheep stirring outside of my window grazing up all my grass you know there's nobody here it's just me i'm looking out onto the vastness of the atlantic ocean and what i've noticed is it's getting a bit brighter a bit earlier you know what i'm saying it's getting a bit brighter a bit earlier homies so you know what that means it's getting really springy and the dark days are, are leaving us. The dark days are leaving us. 21st of February. So, flipping heck, where did that go? Like, you know, January and February just fucking flew. But the darker days are, are, are behind us. You know what I mean? We're going to start having a bit more sunshine, earlier mornings, and later, longer stretches in the evening for everybody. And look, here, we're, we're locked down, right? We're locked down. And, and look, I'm not going to be on Ackle Island forever. I'm gonna I'm gonna be moving. But when the days are that bit longer, it does become that bit more bearable, doesn't it? 
you know, when it's it's half six, seven o'clock, even half seven, and there's still brightness outside. It's not incredibly cold, you know, there's not wicked wind outside. You know, you're able to get outside, go for your five minute walk, like you know what I mean? And I and I hope that you all are still, you know, getting out for your five minutes, homies. You know what I mean? It's it's tough, like yesterday now, even for me. It was tough to drag myself out of the house to get out for that five minutes of fresh air. And like it makes the world of difference, like the world of difference. Um, to my day, to my week, to the way that I'm, you know, to even to get my creative juices flowing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when I want, when I want to, to think about a particular idea or topic for the podcast, I go outside. Like you know what I mean? I go outside and it frees up something inside me, and I'll, I'll know then what I'm gonna say. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I hope you're all doing that. You know, um, excellent feedback um, on on episode thirteen and. Thank you, everybody, that became a patron uh, of the page. Um, there was quite a few patrons that came through last Monday that must have listened to the latest episode and thought, you know what, we'll give them a, 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 the price of an old cup of coffee a month or we'll give them a price of a cup of coffee for a month or whatever the case may be. It's it's just astounding, like, you know, the, the gen- generosity from people, so... I really appreciate y'all, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate you who's listening to this right now. Hope you have a bit of a smile on your face right now, do you? You know, um, you're listening to the to the podcast on your walk or on the way to work or in, on your long run or on your short run, depending on what your long run or your short run is, you know? Uh, but I'm here with you, you know? And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Um... So episode thirteen feedback was was incredible, um, was surrounding accountability and compassion, and just having accountability for your life. And I've been talking a lot lately about you know accountability and the locus of evaluation, right? So the locus of evaluation is like, do you get your values and standards from other people and the people around you, and maybe from the outside world, or do you get your own values and standards from within yourself? I know I didn't for a long time. For a long time, I was searching for my values and standards, my, the standards that in which I hold myself to. I was looking for them from within the external world and what other people thought about things in the external world, like what people thought about tie boxing fights and title fights and marathons and all of these things. What people thought about them was dictating, you know, was, was, was my locus. It was an external locus of evaluation. And now that I have turned it inward into this internal locus of evaluation and I hold myself to my own values and standards, I find it very, very, um, I suppose, normal for me to keep going and keep living the way that I want to live. Um, and that's, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant process. It's a constant process of, you know what I mean? Like, we all get caught in that trap of like doing things for certain reasons, you know, and, and not doing them for ourselves. And look, hey, I'm not naive enough to think that I'm not doing it at all for what other people may think. You know what I mean? We, we, we all want to be accepted. We all want to belong within the tribe, our tribe of people. And, you know, our tribes these days are like our following on Instagram and things like that. 
you know, and they can be a locus of evaluation too, you know what I mean? So I'm not naive enough to think that that has no part to play whatsoever. But the majority of my life is lived within the, the locus of my own evaluation. My internal evaluation, you know what I'm saying? So, that was only 8 minutes there now for that rant. Usually I go on for about 14 to 17 minutes, so I'm very, very happy with that. Um, Today's episode, right, is one that is... It's very, very close to my heart. Um, it's a, it's something that I've dealt with for an awful long time throughout my life and um, still do at times. And that is body image and my relationship with food and with nutrition. And I think this is a topic that a lot of people are going to, you know, are going to resonate with, you know. I think that uh, a lot of people are kind of like, here, yeah. I've often looked in the mirror and thought the shittest thoughts about myself, about the way that I look and the way that I look then makes me, you know, makes me think about the way that I feel and the way that I feel isn't great and it's just a, a, it's a vicious circle and it's a vacuum and I got, I've been sucked down into this trail, homies, so many times, like, you know what I mean? I've had some of the most negative, negative talk about myself has been directed to me about my body, you know? And I'll tell you that for sure, for for one hundred percent, like you know, um, is that I have struggled with body image, and I've struggled with my relationship with food, just like my relationship with alcohol. I I just didn't know how to have a healthy relationship with it, and so it was a complete and utter, you know, um, it was a relationship of extremes. You know, I'd be like pigging out absolute massive bursts of pigging out or I would be like you know trying to starve myself you know trying to starve myself really and trying to take in as little calories and as little food as possible and and that fluctuation of those two opposites just like pulling on each other it's like overeating is one side of a tug of war and you know under eating and starvation is the other side and they're pulling on each other and that rope's gonna fucking break like you know what I mean um, so, I've I've definitely had my my juggling act with with nutrition and with my relationship with food, you know. Um, so I'm gonna go through like I suppose body image in in males and females, um, my own experience of that, and I'm also going to go through my own journey with food and and body image, and um, I'm gonna hopefully um cover some strategies that I use. Um, to keep a kind of a balanced diet and to to better my relationship with food and nutrition, and also I suppose head towards self acceptance. That's what we that's what we want, you know, for ourselves is to accept who we are and accept ourselves. And I'm I have been on this journey of self acceptance for the last couple of years, and I think that one of the last, you know, uh, kind of boxes to tick has been the you know um my own self-acceptance around my body you know around my body and around um how my body is and how it looks and how it it it, you know i suppose compares to the outside world you know so you know that's that external locus of evaluation is my are my values and standards towards my body dictated by me or they dictated by the outside world and i can tell you that that's one particular element of my life where there is an awful big pull from that external, you know, 
I am pulling from the external. Like, I'm looking at, at the boys and going, here, how come I don't have big, massive biceps like the boy and a big chest like him too? You know, I can I can bench press. I can do press-ups all day. How come I'm not getting this big, huge-ass, nice chest, you know? um, Like, like Sylvester, you know, that the Wolf Tone song, a row of 40 medals on his chest, a big chest. How come I don't have a, a big chest like Sylvester? And... These things eat at, a, at well, they, they, they used to eat on my mind um, as a young fella and into my 20s and things like that. Not so much now, really. I, I'm far more accepting of my, of my body and what it does for me and what it, you know, what it is and isn't, you know. Um, but I think that the, the whole topic around body image is, is vastly, um, I suppose... Uh, on the side, on the on the female side, on the women's side, because it because it's just a bigger conversation amongst women and amongst the the female kind of I suppose media um are are really talking about body image at the moment. It's absolutely fantastic to see that women are are becoming more accepting of who they are and more accepting of the bodies that they have, and that it's okay if they want to make changes. But that they that we you know we're not making these changes because we have negative feelings towards our body. Maybe that we're making these changes because we want a bit more positivity. We want a bit more health and fitness and vitality for ourselves. And I think there's a there is a a, a very thin line to toe here uh, amongst body image for both men and women, for both males and females, right? And that is that. We have to be. We have to be to learn to be accepting of our bodies, and um, but we must, as well, at the same time, realize what is healthy. And being too thin is not healthy. Um, we we need a certain amount of, especially um, uh, females, need that certain bit more body fat for normal hormone function, for menstruation, for 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 normal reproductive order and normal harm, hormonal balance and metabolic reactions within the body. And with males, it's the same. Men need body fat for metabolic reactions. There are certain elements, vitamins and minerals that are fat-soluble. There are other metabolic reactions that need body fat. And so, um, you know, we shouldn't be aiming for, you know, 3% body fat. The very, very same way we shouldn't be aiming for 45% body fat. We shouldn't be aiming for obesity. And I don't think that body positivity should be marketed in a way that tells people that if you're morbidly obese, that that's positive because I think that that's, you know, unhealthy. I really do. I do think it's unhealthy. I think it's, it's healthy to say that, you know, people come in all different shapes and sizes, but that, you know, that we have to uh, realize at the end of the day health is for, first and foremost and that's that's where we have to be at with that but i i really do think that um you know male body image is years behind uh, female body image because it's just been a, a bigger topic of dis, of discussion over the last couple of years i was even looking up when i was researching this podcast um, I was I was just typing in body image. That's all I typed in, body image. And the second result on the Google search out of 490 million different searches 
The second one was um, the Dove self-esteem project, right? And I was like, oh, Jesus, what's this? The Dove, Dove self-esteem project. This is a class. So I, I clicked into it and um, f- fantastic resource, but it, it was directed towards girls. It was directed towards females, right? And I just think it, it is absolutely phenomenal that such a huge company like Dove would take on an initiative about body positivity for girls, especially because, you know, I, I have two nieces that are growing up and that are going to be growing into a life where there is a constant media in their face. They're, they're going to be, they're born into social media where, you know, most of us were 16, 17, you know, 18 you know, you know, if we're, if you're in your late twenties or whatever, you're in your late to mid twenties or your early thirties or whatever, that's when we started to experience social media, and we didn't experience social media like you know in the way that it is until a, a couple of years ago, because you know it is just changing and expanding, and a, a, a more positive dialogue surrounding body image um, is something that's absolutely you know it's it's. It's incredibly worthwhile because people need to fucking realize that all of the people that are help that are selling you these products um, and that are modeling these things for you to consume, that that is you know that is their body, that is their body, and that is not your body, and that is their you know that's the way that they look, and that's not the way that you look, and that's okay. Those people are completely and utterly they're good people I, I i don't want to i don't want to be sent here and go here this guy here with the six pack is obviously a dickhead or this girl here now with the you know with the tiny waist is obviously a bitch no i'm not saying that i'm saying these people are normal people right but they're being paid to look like that you know what i mean so it's in their best interest to do everything in their power to look like that if you get what i'm saying like they they they, you know, take measures in their lives to look like that all year round. They don't get paid if they don't look like that. So it's just like you with your your nine to five. Let's say you were getting up in the morning and your nine to five was looking after your body and the way that your body looked and, you know, um, making sure that everything was, you know, was right with your diet and your fitness regimes and all of these things. Your whole life was just about that then you'd have a far better chance of looking like the people that are in the ads. Do you get what I'm saying? So, like, they, that's their life, you know, that, and, and that's the way they make their living, and everyone has to make a living in the world. That's just how they make theirs. And when you start to realize that that is their job, their job is to look like that. And so their, you know, their day-to-day job, lifestyle, is to do things to make them look like that. Do you get what I'm saying? So they're they're constantly working out, reviewing their diets, training with trainers, working with dietitians and nutritionists. They're wor- doing all of these things with people uh, all day to, to, to allow them to do their job, you know? So that's the thing, I suppose, the behind the scenes that people don't really see when they, when they see, you know, these people with these magnificent bodies and they're beautiful like, you know what I mean? Beautiful bodies and they don't, um, they don't see that these people are spending, you know, all of their time really, you know, sculpting these bodies and making them into into what they are so that they can work. You know what I'm saying? So 
you know, uh, when you when you take it back to your life and whether you you know where 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 do you stack up in all of this? It's just like uh, imagine for a moment that, and I mean, this is probably going to be something that um, you know may or may not resonate with people. Right? Is like let's say you're a, a high level uh, tennis player, right? You're a high level tennis player, and you get an you get an opportunity to train four one-hour sessions a week, right? And somebody else gets the opportunity to train uh, five two-hour sessions a week. So they're getting 10 hours in where you're getting four hours in. And you stack that up over a number of years. That's thousands of hours in the difference between both of you people as tennis players, right? And... Are you going to be as well prepared and, and as naturally, you know, and as as, as kind of drilled and um, uh, finely tuned as this person? No, you're not. Because you're thousands of hours behind in, in practice and playtime. So this is the same thing with fitness models and things like that is they, ha- they have, because of their profession, a lot more time in which to sculpt these bodies, in which to maintain them and keep them and, and and to make them look the way that they are. And that's that behind the scenes that we don't really get. And that's something that I only kind of really started to cop onto really um, in the last number of years, you know. And I think the reason why it's not so much in the male dialogue, right, about body image is because it might not be deemed as masculine, you know. Um, I think it's it's very common nowadays for uh, women for for females to to talk about their to talk about openly about not having body confidence and Jesus I'm like here I'm putting my hand up and I'm like I'm with you on that one Holmes you know I'm with you on that one homie you know I you know there's times when I really really didn't feel confident about my my body and the way that it looked but yet. I would never say to my friends, like, you know, um, a couple of years ago, I would never say, like, here, guys, I'm actually, like, not really feeling very confident about my body at the moment. Like, I feel like I've put on a bit of weight. Um, I feel a bit sluggish. Don't feel energetic. I just don't feel, you know, like myself. And I don't feel like, you know, um, when I would often go to the beach and go for dips on the beach. And there's times when I take my top off and be kind of conscious about it. Like, you know, I would be. I'd be conscious about it, like, oh, you know, you're feeling a bit pudgy, you're 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 after putting on a bit of weight, and I would feel that bit more conscious about it, like, you know, and I just think that, you know, if you know, I, I didn't feel like that was a conversation that I could have with some with one of the lads, like, right here, boys, I'm fucking, I'm not feeling really confident about my body, you know what I mean? It just doesn't, it doesn't, you know, um, come into a man's mind as easily as it does with with a woman now. I feel that it took a long time for um, for mental health and male mental health to really break through into um, the the dialogue of of everyday living. You know, um, it took an awful long time for for these issues to be openly discussed, and I think that it will take a long time as well for male body image to. Um, to reach the kind of, you know, the masses. Because 
we're just not as good at talking about things like that. I know my, I know I'm not. Um, we're just not as good at, at talking about it. I think there might be a bit of a stigma um, attached to that type of, of chat. Um, but if I can say it to any lad that's listening right now and thinking, yeah, Jesus, you know what? I've, I've felt that about my body and things like that. Here, I've talked to some of my closest friends about this and they feel the exact same. They feel the exact same. They've had times in their life where they just did not feel like, you know, they wanted to take their top off and or they had times when, you know, they just didn't feel confident within themselves. And, you know, if they if they were, you know, single, they didn't really want to be putting themselves out there to try and get a date with somebody because they just didn't feel confident about the way that they were. They looked. And that's 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 amazing that I'm able to have that type of conversation with people that I've been friends with for years. And we need to open more conversation about it, you know. And it's okay as well if, like, the first person you want to talk to about it is your girlfriend or your wife, you know. Um, because I do feel that we have made enormous strides in, in positive female body image. And it's just incredible to see. And it's so wonderful to see that I just cannot wait until, you know, it it catches up on the male side as well. Because... I've had times where I've really struggled with it, you know, I've really struggled with it too, you know what I mean, so, um, and look, old habits die hard, I'm not saying that we're out of the woods for, for female body image, I think that there are, you know, hundreds upon thousands of women uh, in the world that are just not, they don't feel good about themselves, you know, they don't feel good about the bodies that they're in and the skin that they find themselves in, you know, and, that, you know, it's not going to change overnight, the same way with men, it's not going to change overnight, but when you do change the, the conversation surrounding body image, you, you, you do, you do shift the weight off the shoulders a bit, and you kind of go, oh, okay, well, look, there's other people that are suffering the same way as I am, you know what I mean, there's people on the same boat as me, there's people that are feeling bad about their bodies, same as me, you know what I mean? And there's a great comfort in that. And I suppose it allows us to, you know, change that. Once the external locus is feeling more comfortable, then we can turn it inward and we can start our own journey of self-acceptance. And we can also think about making changes to our body and to our lifestyle in a more positive way, not fueled by hatred or disgust of ourself or dislike of ourselves, but fueled by this want and desire for more and for better from ourselves. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I feel that like I just wanna I just wanna fucking put my hand up here and go, my name is Connor O'Keefe. I'm a 29 year old man and I have struggled with body image throughout my whole life. You know? And you know I've done Thai boxing, and now I'm an ultramarathon runner, and they require mental and physical toughness, and it doesn't take anything away from me as a man by saying, I've had fucking issues with the way that my body's looked throughout my whole life, and I'm going to go through, like, my story with it now, and I'm also going to go through some of the strategies that I've employed to not only change the way that I eat, but to change my relationship with food, and 
um, also to talk about how I am on that road to self-acceptance and that I'm accepting of whatever body I wake up and see in the morning. And it's been a tough fucking road, to be honest with you, homies. It has been a very, very tough road to get to the point where I am actually feeling like, you know, I'm accepting of whatever Connor is in front of me at that moment in time. And uh, I'm not picking things out, you know. I'm not picking things out that I need to change or, or whatever. But that I just know that I'm. It's, it's part of a bigger process and that I am, you know, I am developing my own body, Connor's body. I'm not looking at anybody else anymore. This is me and my journey and what I'm doing. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to start by telling you guys my own um, journey through body image. Um, and it started, uh, to be honest, from a really young age. Um, when I was younger, right, uh, we, we moved house, right? And we moved from, like, just in the suburbs of the city. Um, where I could call for my friends, you know, there was a friend that lived next door to me, and there was friends that lived three doors up and four doors down, and everybody out playing together on the road, and it was very, very, you know, um, very much a uh, communal-based area, everybody knew each other, you know, you could go out and play soccer with your friends, or you could, you know, play chasing, or tip the can, or whatever the case be, and it was just class- I just love, I love playing tip the can. I thought it was the best crack ever. I always used to think because my dad was a soldier, I used to think that it was some sort of an, an like a, an army game, like you know what I mean, where we were like fighting the opposite team, like and that we were you know um, trying to infiltrate this like spot, you know, um, in in a jungle, you know, where like uh, to be honest, instead of like hiding in the trees or in a river, I was like behind a, a Nissan Micra, like you know what I mean, and I was waiting to tip the can. But I loved it, like, I loved it, I loved that um, aspect of just being able to call for my friends whenever I wanted, right? And then uh, we moved out to, to Glanmire, to where my family home is now. Um, and I landed there at six years old, and I was like, what the fuck is this? There was no one around. We had built one of the first houses on this particular section of this this country road. When we built there, there was grass growing up the middle of the fucking road, like, you know? There was potholes that I could lay down in as a six-year-old boy, like, and be completely inside the pothole, like. Um, Next door was, there was a field with two horses in it, and that was it, like. And I'm like, what the actual fuck is this? You know what I mean? I Like, whatever semblance of normality I thought my life was when I was living in Mayfield and all my friends were around me, to now, down in Glanmire, I was like, what the fuck? And I went to school in Mayfield as well, so most of my friends lived, like, closer to the school. So I just, I didn't have that structure of friends like I used to have. And, um... I was very lonely, I was very lonely, I must say, like, I was, I, I, at that moment in time in my life, I was incredibly lonely, um, and I just wanted to have my mates around the gaff, you know, I was constantly seeking to get out of Glanmire at the start, you know, 
really was um st- seeking to get out of there and get back up to mayfield because my aunt still lived on the same road and i'd always call up to that house and that was when my love for and my comfort with food began um i spent an awful lot of time indoors at the beginning um eating food comfort eating and you know like every house has that drawer the the food drawer you know what i mean the the treat drawer you know what i mean and ours was constantly stocked like my parents i i I think it was more so my mother just kind of decided that she wanted to have these in the house at all times you know what i mean and flipping heck boy i used to go through some amount of rubbish as a young fella like it was crazy the amount of, of food that i could put away like you know and, jeez, I used to raid the drawer. I'd be eating four or five bags of potatoes at a time. I'd eat three or four bars at a time. And I just, I started to gain weight because I wasn't as active either because I wasn't out with my friends. And then, um, as I kind of, you know, moved out of that kind of sulky stage where I was really pissed off with the situation I found myself in, I was pissed off my parents as well. I started to get outside more and try and entertain myself. So I'd entertain myself by building bases um, and like trying to find uh, things to build bases with and, you know, pretending that I was a soldier in some far, far off place, you know, picking up a stick, pretending it was a gun and and, and walking around, you know, the the countryside. And, and, and what a beautiful thing that was. You know, I couldn't really see, you know, how wonderful it actually was at that time. But I was trying to make the best of a bad situation, you know, in my own mind. And so that was where that my love of the outdoors also was kindled, you know, and that my love of getting outside and my love of, you know, making up my own natural world as well. But um, I, I still continued to comfort eat, like, you know what I mean? And that continued all through primary school and into secondary school. And you know what? Like, kids are bastards at some points in time. And boys, like... I had like I had like man boobies as a as a young fella like you know what I mean when I was when I when I gained weight I I had massive man boobies like and Jesus anything that's different or out of the ordinary or something that can be picked on by a kid you know about another kid will be done 100% you know what I mean so um I just found that I was you know I was getting mocked over my man titties and, and being fat but here look I gave it back you know just the same um I, I gave it back and I was you know I was ragging on other guys inside in my year as well so I gave as good as I got but like it still didn't make the you know the words feel any better you know I, I really didn't feel any better for it like you know and I I definitely, you know, definitely exacerbated my struggle with with body image, you know. I didn't want to I didn't want to get changed for PE. What I'd usually do is I'd have a white t-shirt on underneath my white shirt and I'd just take off my shirt and I'd wear my white t-shirt for PE because I just did not want to to take my t-shirt off for, you know, just in case someone would have a slight comment or somebody would say something, do you know what I mean? And I I really struggled with it and like it was it was still because I was co- and then I was comfort eating because of the the names that I was being called in school 
um i i remember for a period of time it must have been like first year and second year like um my mother would collect me from school sometimes you know most of the time uh i'd get the bus home you know because i went to school in in the city center and sometimes my mother would bring me home and every time she brought me home i remember it like as plain as day right every time that she'd pick me up we go to O'Callaghan's garage on the way home I'd get a long donut, right? Long donut with jam running down the middle of it. I'd get a Mr. Freeze and I'd get a bottle of Coke. Every time. And it was just because, like, and I think that my mother probably just saw me as, like, you know, having such a hard time in school that she wanted in some way to patch it up for me. And I think that at that time in her life, she saw that as, you know, allowing me to eat these things, you know, and, 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 it brought me, you know, momentary happiness and comfort. So I think that that's why she allowed that to happen. You know, I don't think that she would allow that to happen as, you know, today. Because, you know, I suppose she knows better. You, you know better, you do better, you know. But it was just a constant relationship with food where it was a comfort thing for me. And then I was around 15 years old and I said, fuck this. I said, fuck this. I'm not, I'm not putting up with this shit in school anymore. I'm not putting up with the internal dialogue where I'm constantly fucking ragging on myself every fucking day. I'm looking at myself in the mirror and going, Connor, you're just a fat shit. Like, you know what I mean? You chubby guts. You know, all these fucking horrible things like that I would say to myself and these things that never should have been said to, to, to me by me. You know, I was just, I suppose, reiterating what I was hearing from the outside world. And so when I was about 15, I decided that I would, you know, like, I was nearly 16 at the time. And I said, I am going to fucking hit a diet hard. Like, hard, hard. So, my comfort eating turned into this being this methodical dieter. And then this is it. Like, I, I had an unhealthy relationship with food. And I replaced that unhealthy relationship with food with another unhealthy relationship. It was just at the opposite end of the spectrum. I would be half starving myself. And I'd be going from, like four and a half five thousand calories a day sometimes to eating eating like 1200 calories a day you know um my friend um i was that i was only talking to recently said do you know what i remember about you actually connor i remember when you were like 16 years old like you walking around with packets of rice cakes when you were in town I'm like that's actually like that's actually what I used to do. I used to buy rice cakes because I knew that they were like low calorie and like they were you know really really good for for dieting. I used to buy plain old discs, rice cake discs, dry rice cakes, and I used to just eat them by the packet. But I I used to I used to even eat the full packet. I used to just nibble on them right. There's this dude here now, right, 16 years old, the school empties of a Friday, right, and everybody's in town just having a bit of a, having a bit of fun, walking around town, school uniforms, just having a bit of crack. I pop into Tesco and get some, um, get some rice cakes, <laughs> and I'm walking around the place with rice cakes, and I'm there, like, trying to, you know, talk to girls in, in, in the girls' school that's down the road from me, and I'm there munching on rice cakes, like, you know what I mean, and, um, but it's so funny that, like, you know, somebody remembered me as the guy who ate rice cakes. But I just became absolutely fanatical about diet. And 
at the same time, I also became fanatical about going to the gym. And um, this has caused me problems, actually, that I'm still dealing with today because I went to the gym not knowing what to do in the gym, doing the same things every day. And what that actually developed was these like muscular imbalances in myself that I'm still dealing with today. And, and I've accepted that. I've accepted the muscular imbalances and I've tried my very, very best to, to rectify them. You know what I mean? But I used to get on the bus, um, the Mayfield bus, every day, go up to the Mayfield Community Centre gym every day and I used to work out. I used to do the same workout every day for like a year and a half and building up the same muscles and and neglecting other muscles every day and that that caused those muscular imbalances. It was just an unhealthy, obsessive behavior and like I am prone to obsessive behavior. Uh, Not so much nowadays, to be honest with you. I've got an awful lot more balance and control over myself. I'm not so much, you know, I'm I'm not so um, dictated by impulse. But back in the day, fucking hell, I I, like I was obsessed with things and it would never really end well. It's never ended well. When I have a better relationship with something these days, it allows it to, you know, allows me to have a better relationship with it. It's just like with ultra marathon running. I'm not obsessive with it. I'm passionate about it, but I'm not about obsessive with it. And, uh, you know, I can live without it, you know. And when I, I like, I started, like, you know, um, I started, I suppose, with smaller steps um, in my diet uh, where, like, you know, I didn't even have a clue, really. I didn't. I had no clue about carbohydrates and proteins and all. There's, there wasn't as much information readily available as there is today with the internet and social media and things like that. There's not as much. There wasn't as much information. So I was going off of like Men's Health magazine. That was what I was reading at like 15, 16 years old, and then that was like my first introduction to what a male body should look like. Is these boys on the fucking cover of Men's Health? Like, have you seen the boys? Like. They look like fucking Adonises, you know what I mean? And I meant to look like them. I'm this like chubby, awkward kid who's like, you know, tr- is he going into a growth spurt? Is he not? Am I going to be a lanky guy or what? I think like my arms started to grow a lot before my body started to grow. So I had these long, gangly arms, like, you know, and this kind of like, I suppose, more stumpier body, like. And I'm just there looking at the Men's Health magazine and going, fuck. You know, this isn't going to be good for my body image. I didn't think about that at the time. I was thinking, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be like him. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to train hard now, and I'm going to be like him. Little did I know that this guy on the cover of Men's Health has spent ten years developing the body that he has. You know what I mean? I, I, I had no idea about that. You know, I had no idea how you know what work was required to to attain a body like that. And so, um. Uh, that was, you know, my body image was only getting worse, you know, even though I was losing weight, and I was, you know, um, I was getting fitter and thinner, I, I wasn't getting, you know, my my body image wasn't getting better, because I was constantly looking outward at these bodies that were far more superior to mine in my own mind, and, you know, it just continued on in that spiral, and, after I lost the weight and I got that bit fitter, right? And then I went to Kilimanjaro, as I have explained in the earlier podcasts. And after that, I found Thai boxing, as I explained in my other podcast. Now, Thai boxing 
right? And boxing or any kind of um, combat sport in general that you're fighting in weight classes is like, it's like opening up a fucking tankard of petrol and pouring it on an already out of control fire. So I had a problem with diet now where I was like, constantly like thinking about what I was eating and you know how much I was eating and I couldn't overeat and I was in a calorie deficit for fucking like a year like as in I would never have days where I would go over calories you know I'd be constantly losing weight and I'd be losing muscle and like people were telling me you need to eat to gain muscle if you want to look like the boys on the men's health and I'm like no I can't take the chance of fucking you know gaining fat I can't take the chance of gaining fat to, to, to lose muscle. So I was in this fucking losing battle. And then I found Thai boxing and I was like, okay, well, you have to be this weight to fight. So then I had another reason to fucking keep an eye on the, on the food. And like, it just became obsessive. It just became absolutely obsessive. Like where I just fucking would never be eating anything that, um, that, uh, would lead to weight gain and then as I suppose the you know the the readiness the readily availableness of the internet and social media came about and I got a smartphone and things like that I started to learn a bit more about diet and what I learned actually a lot about diet was from bodybuilding and how they would um, strip body fat and strip water from their bodies before shows and I was going to do the same thing in, in Thai boxing, you know what I mean? And, like, never having that downtime, you know? Never having that downtime where I have a pizza and I fucking eat a garlic chips cheese or whatever the case may be. And never having and allowing myself to have that downtime, even if I didn't have a fight, you know? And then... Um, another element of this, you know, this negative relationship with my body and with food came in as well, where I would gorge and binge eat after fights. So I would be close to starvation before the fight, right? I'd be trying to refuel myself for the fight, get through the fight, win or lose. And then I would gorge on food for a week straight, where I could actually literally put on 10 kg from the time I got into the ring to um, the a, a week later, I would put on 10 kilos in water weight, you know, as well. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't think that it was all fat. But I was holding loads and loads of water because I had starved my body of water and I was trying to hang on to it. I wasn't drinking as much water and I was eating loads of these fucking super high calorie foods and sugary foods and fat filled foods. And it was just so unhealthy. I had a terrible relationship with food. I saw food as this, like, I put it on a pedestal as this holy grail of something that I can achieve after this fight, you know? And, um, yeah, like, Thai boxing left a longer-lasting impression on me after that where, like, um, I was constantly looking at my body, even when I wasn't a high-level athlete like I was when I was a Thai boxer, when I finished up and I and I was drinking a lot and eating bad food and stuff, I, I'd still constantly be looking at my body in the mirror and thinking, fucking hell, you're, you're so fat, like, you, don't, you can't even fucking see one ab on your fucking stomach now at this stage, you know, your fucking jeans are spit, you know, your, your, your 
shirt has a bit of a muffin top going on there because you know you're after gaining a bit of lovely handles there and constantly picking these things out like you know and it just was horrible way to live like and where I am now with it in the last number of years like to be honest with you it's a struggle um to it has been a struggle to get to where I am already where like no I'm at this level of acceptance and I still hey I still fall down sometimes and I still find myself talking to myself in that negative fashion about my body 100% but for the most part I realize that my body is my body and I I have to own it and so my body does amazing things for me it does amazing incredible things for me it gets me out of bed in the morning it walks me down the stairs so that I can make my bed it gets me dressed it you know allows me to walk on the beach and then on the other level of that it allows me to do amazing things in running it allows me to do all of these things and i've come to the realization that like my body is a living thing like that is such a a big point here right it is a living thing it is not like your car where your car stays the same all year round it's made of metal and rubber and bits and pieces and plastic it's made of of all of these things and it stays the same throughout the year my body is a living breathing organism filled with microorganisms and broken down into cells and these cells are constantly in a state of flux they're constantly regenerating and dying and regenerating and building and they're constantly moving and churning in our metabolic reactions our metabolic state is just basically keeping us alive it's trying to maintain homeostasis right so it's trying to maintain our lives and so in that maintenance of life yeah it's going to fucking fluctuate it's going to fluctuate because our days fluctuate we go to bed at different times we get up at different times we drink different amounts of water we eat different amounts of food we um we do different levels of activity throughout each different day and different week and different month so it's going to change it's going to fluctuate and now i've gotten to the point where i realize that so that when i get up in the morning and i've noticed that mm, i put on a bit more pudge then i'm okay with it i'm able to accept it i'm able to accept yeah i i, I put on a bit more weight and I'm actually thinking about it realistically. I'm like, okay, well, look, I've been eating as if I've been training every day this week, but this is a deload week and I haven't trained as much and I've been eating the same amount. I put on a bit of weight. It's probably mostly water weight. And I put on a, a small bit of fat as well. That's okay. When we get back into our normal training cycle, a week later, I get into the, uh, you know, I'm getting into the shower. There's a long mirror in the bathroom. I look in give it a bit of a check, you know, how you doing, Connor, how you keeping, and I'm back to the same way that I was two weeks ago, and it, it, it fluctuates like that, and, and especially like, you know, um, the life of an athlete, or the life of anybody that has a lifestyle where they run, or they do their spinning classes, or their gym, or whatever, you're going to have those fluctuations, and that's okay, 
you're going to fluctuate. And that's just the way that like your living, breathing body is. It is not, I'm picking out things now in the kitchen, it is not a flower pot. It is not an ornament. It's not a picture frame. It's not an inanimate object. It's a living thing. So with this living thing, it's going to move and change and adapt and it's going to grow more hair or less hair and it's going to get um, more body fat and less body fat. It's going to get more muscle and it's going to go get less muscle and some muscle is going to, you know, um, get bigger when you want other muscles to get bigger and all of these different things are going to happen. So if you're working against that natural flow and fluctuation it's like working against the weather you know it's like you 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 are trying to control something here and you can control the way that your body goes for majority of the time but not all of the time you know you can control how many calories you take in you can control how active you are but you know there's certain times where things change and they fluctuate and that's okay you're not going to be able to control everything all the time about your body you know, um, and I've got, I've developed a, I'm, I'm about 52 minutes here now, and I'm, I'm going to talk about, um, my own strategies that I have employed just to, uh, to one, create a better relationship with food, and two, to create a better relationship with me and how I view my own body, you know, so, um, the first strategies are, you know, the way that I, or the strategies that I employ to have a, a better relationship with food. And so I've got some, I've got some principles that I stick to in my, in my diet, right? And number one, water, 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 okay? Like I drink or I try to drink as much water as I can. And look, I slip up from time to time too, and I forget to drink water for half the day. But for the majority of the time, I'm trying to keep myself as hydrated as possible. It's There is no real negative at all to drinking fucking water. It keeps us alive. So maintaining my water intake has been a huge step forward in my dietary um, my dietary strategies and my overall um, well-being and my relationship with food. So my relationship with food has changed because um, your body has a difficult time um, differentiating between hunger and thirst. So like when I'm drinking water, most of the time then I know that when I'm actually, you know, if I'm hungry, I am hungry, I'm I'm not thirsty, because I'm hydrated, and I've been drinking water, so if I am actually hungry, then I will eat, so I I generally only eat now when I'm hungry, because my water intake has increased, and I only then generally eat when I'm hungry, or when, you know, um, when I, I, my, I feel that my body is wanting me to eat, so, it, it has bettered my relationship in that way with food is that I feel like I was eating a lot more food anyway these days as well than I needed to and that was leading to, to um, weight gain and things like that so when I'm only eating now when I'm hungry because I know that I'm not thirsty I'm gonna take a sip of water right now because my, my throat's getting kind of dry I've been talking for 55 minutes oh, get a bit of ish gain to me 
and I hope that you have a bit of ish gear with you today as well and that you're keeping yourself hydrated. But when I'm keeping myself hydrated, it makes it easier then to differentiate whether I'm thirsty or whether I'm hungry because majority of the time I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to actually be genuinely hungry if I'm drinking enough water, if you get what I'm saying. Um, the next thing that I have done in terms of like the principles that I live by is have a bit of good with the bad, right? So like if you're going to eat some bad food, right? Or if you're going to eat like, I don't know, I suppose people say, people have different uh, ideologies around like labeling foods as bad foods and good foods and stuff like that. But when I say good and bad foods, you know your own take on what that means. And what I what I mean like by, by let's say bad food is like an Easter egg. Like an Easter egg is like, you know, it's not probably great for your diet, but fuck it, it's delicious, you know what I mean, or whatever the case may be, you know, you, you, it's not great to have a big bag of chili heatwave Doritos, but I've done it many, many times before, because they're delicious, and, I, and I'm going to eat them because they're nice, you know what I mean, I'm not going to do it every day, but I've eaten them because they're nice, but if I'm going to eat these things, I usually either try to get some type of really healthy, good food into me that day, more so than any other type of food, or I'll eat some good food with that food as well, I'll eat some, like, really nutritious, healthy food with that food too, so, like, next time you're sitting down to have a chocolate bar, or to eat some potatoes, or whatever the case may be, uh, crisps, if you want to call them crisps, I always call potatoes potatoes, regardless of whether they're tato brand crisps or not, I, I always call them potatoes, but crisps. Let's say you're sitting on the crisps or nachos or whatever. Maybe try and have something good with it as well. So, like, I've often sat down and had an easy peeler with a chocolate bar or an easy peeler with, you know, some um, uh, crisps because it, it, I don't know, in a way it just makes it seem like I'm getting some goodness into my body too. And that's filling you up as well so you're filling yourself up with more good and then you'll probably end up consuming less bad if you if you get me you know what I mean that's what I found anyway and another thing is don't make it easy on yourself like if you if you do have a a struggle um with you know with eating um foods that are not nutritious and that are not let's say good for your body um, like takeaways and um, or if you're like if you're just a a a person that likes to eat chocolate and potatoes and all of these things, don't make it easy on yourself. So what what I have done um since we moved to Ackle was I was if I bought a bag of of crisps that I liked if I liked the flavor of crisps or if I had a bag of Doritos or something like that you know that like within like the first night of me getting them they're being consumed like you know what i mean i love them like i think they're absolutely tremendously delicious like so i eat them and i don't like i don't really have that like off switch when it comes to eating them so i'll just eat the bag like so what i have done now is as my kind of like um snack is it's one it's healthier but two it's also harder to produce is popcorn i make you know popcorn kernels so you bag a bag of popcorn right because when you're in the mood to to gorge or to eat bad foods 
you're not really in the farm to be cooking anything or to be making things usually. It's usually like, yeah, give me that bag of stuff and let me open up this bag and eat them. Or, you know what I mean? You're not really thinking about putting effort into your eating. So when you go to make popcorn, you have to pour the oil in the pan or in the pot, heat the pot up, you know, you have to put one or two kernels in first to check, you know, when the oil is hot enough for the for the rest of them to be put in because you don't want them getting soggy. And then you cook up all of the popcorn, you pour it out into your bowl and you have it, right? So it takes that bit more effort, so you may not do it you know, when you're full and you don't really need it. You know, you want it, but you don't need it when you're full and you're feeling like, you know, eating some bad foods or whatever the case may be, you're not going to feel like, you know, getting up and putting the popcorn on the hob and making it or whatever. It would be a lot easier if you just had a bag of Doritos you could just open. But if you didn't have them and you had the popcorn, you'd have to make it. And it may only deter you one time out of ten, but it's still one time out of ten. You know what I mean? And even if it doesn't, popcorn is is actually, you know, probably... A lot more nutritious than fucking Doritos are. It's very, very high in fiber, and there's definitely a lot less salt and sugar in it. You like you can add your own salt to it, but there's definitely a lot, lot less salt and sugar in popcorn than there is in like a fucking bag of Doritos. So it is healthier for you there as well. Do you know? So um, that's another one of the strategies that I that I would say is don't make it fucking easy on yourself um, to do it. So, you know, that's one of the ways that I do it. A lot of people just say, I'm not going to buy it and put it into the house. And that's a really good thing. But look, sometimes, you know, these things are in our lives because they have a place. You know, these these snacks and these uh, treats have a, you know, they have a place in our lives. They, they're there because they have a certain place in our lives. And if we are able to have a healthy relationship with them, they can have that place. It's the same with me with alcohol. Um, alcohol can, you know, can, has its place in my life now. It plays an, an enormously tiny role, you know, a tiny role in my life. And there's alcohol, there's been alcohol in the house since I got here, you know, in the, in, wine and beers and all of these things and and you know you may ask like why why are you not drinking them if they're there and they're in the house it's because i've got a better relationship with them so you know if you do need to you know slowly drip feed them back into your life after you've eliminated them from your life then so be it you know um or or when when i'm talking about eating in terms of my normal everyday meals um like i would usually, like, I know, I know how I eat, and how I eat is, I finish what's on the fucking plate, like, I finish what's on the plate, there is nothing being left on the plate when I'm around the place, like, it's getting hoovered up, it's getting lost in, in the, in the flurry of hands moving from the plate to my mouth, you know, it's gonna get eaten up, so, portion control is a big thing with me, you know, where like last night I could have easily, um, I ha- I baked some potatoes uh, in the oven and, you know, baked potato, lovely and nutritious, but they do have calories in them, you know what I mean, if you're talking about calorie intake, and I could have really easily chopped up another potato from the oven, put a load of butter on it and a load of salt all over it and eaten it, 
Easy. Could have easily done it, right? But I put one on my plate because of that reason. And I, I cooked off three pork chops um, uh, last night as well. And I put one on my plate and I put another one onto my girlfriend's plate. And I knew that there was one there, but I had made the decision in my head at that time that if I wanted that pork chop, that I would go and get it. But I made that decision from the start of the meal. If I make the decision from the start of the meal that what is on my plate is what I'm going to eat, then that's what I'm going to eat. That's what I'm going to eat. And that's a major thing in portion control is whatever is on your plate, that's what you're going to eat. You know, that's what you're going to eat. And that's that's the the major thing with me. I have to control my portions because I have a very large appetite and I would easily eat all of the food way past um, satiety. You know what I mean? I would I would be satiated. You know what I mean? I'd feel full, but yet I'd continue to eat because I, I, I have this kind of, you know, I'd have this uh, this want or desire to eat more food. So... It's very, very important to have that internal chat with yourself of, you know, do you want? No, I, I, I'm actually, I'm going to be full after I eat the food that's on my plate. The other food I don't actually need. And that's, a, that's a, a, actually a much healthier way of looking at it than starving yourself or eating too much. You don't want extremes. You know, you want to be able to eat your normal meals, but know that, yeah, what's on my plate is, is, is what I need. I don't need any more than this. If I'm eating more than this, it's just feeding into my wants and my desires. And, and that's going to, you know, that that's not being good to future Connor, who's going to wake up in two days time um, and have, you know, um, ha- have been very, very unhappy with the way that he's been eating the last two days. You know what I mean? So that's another thing is that portion control of talking to myself in that way of what's on your plate is what you're going to eat you know and and the thing is realizing some of your danger zones some of your danger moments in um in your dietary uh, day in your in your in your day is like one of my danger moments is the evening after i've finished my dinner is fucking danger zone territory right and so i do a certain number of things to to um to because i know that you know, I know myself and I know that my danger zone is later on in the evening. So when it, when it gets to, um, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I, I do tend to leave my, my breakfast or kind of lunch or whatever till quite late. I usually eat around, you know, half 11, 12 o'clock will probably be my first time that I'll eat. And I won't even eat much of a lunch really either unless I've got a really high output day um in on the on the road or in the gym or both i don't tend to eat very much for lunch no i'll have a sandwich now or something like that like and a, and a bar um or something you know or, or a banana and I, I will eat you know i'm not starving myself in any way shape or form but i just know that the majority of my calories is made up from one my dinner and two you know a bit of snacking after dinner so i know that about myself so i try and you know keep my calories for later in that day and that's that kind of strategy that strategic eating where i'm like okay look i know that i know that i am you know uh, my 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 appetites and my desires increase at nighttime when i'm sitting down and i'm relaxed 
and I'm after eating my dinner and things like that. I usually have a bigger dinner than than any other meal, um, and I usually snack, you know, a bit. You know, I might I might make some popcorn if if me and the missus are sitting down for um, uh, for a movie and whatnot. You know what I mean? So I know that's the motherfucking danger zone. You know what I mean? So I I store up my calories for that a lot of the time. You know, so yeah, you know, like this and then when you have a better relationship with food and you realize as well that your body is this living thing that it's not an inanimate object and it's not something like when you look at um, videos or you look at uh, a picture of somebody right those videos are a moment in time that 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 picture is a, is a split second of a moment in time you know those videos are done over an hour or an hour or two or even over the course of a day, you know. But those people fluctuate. They go up and down and they'll gain weight and lose weight, same as everybody else. And it, that's the same with our bodies. They're living things, homies. So they're going to change and fluctuate and go up and down. And we have to accept that. And we have to stop working against that. And we have to realize that, you know, just the way our days change and fluctuate, so will our bodies. And we can do things to, you know, to make positive changes to our bodies. But that we have to do it from a place of love, not from a place of disgust or distaste from our own, the way that we feel about our own bodies. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, we have to be kinder to ourselves you know, because social media, media, like companies that are trying to sell you these products, they're not going to be kind to you. They're not going to be kind to you. They're not going to be negative towards you openly, but they're not going to make you feel great about yourself. So this is where it, it's up to us, you know, it's up to us to take it upon ourselves to be kind to ourselves and to realize that we're living, breathing things that fluctuate up and down. And that we can accept each and every version of ourselves. That's the crux of it. I have to I have to be able to accept the very lean, tanned Connor, you know, of June and July, the same way that I have to, you know, accept the slightly pudgier, f- paler February Connor. You know what I mean? Because my my body changes and fluctuates throughout the years and days and weeks and months and all of this stuff. You know? Gotta be kind. Gotta be kind to ourselves. Um, Because as I said, media is not going to be not going to be kind to us all the time. So we have to be kind to ourselves. We spend 24 hours a day with ourselves. So we have to be kind to ourselves. And that's the note that I'm going to leave this podcast on. You know? Um, the world is going to give us a hard enough time without us jumping on our own back, you know. So, you know, if you feel like, you know, you want to make some positive changes to your body and your lifestyle, fucking good on you. Good fucking on you, kid. Because it's a wonderful thing to want better for yourself. But make sure that it's it's because of that reason. Because you know that you're, you're, you're worth the effort, and you're worthwhile, not because, you know, not because you're fucking uh, disgusting or fat or that you've got anything like that I have said to myself, 
You know, it's not because of any of those things. It's because you want better for yourself. You deserve better. You deserve more, you know, than to be feeling this way about yourself and to be feeling unhealthy. So I'm going to end the podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed making it. And as always, I'm going to leave you with peace and with love. Khan.